You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good evening. Welcome to Metro Vision Studios. My name is Reese Kia Aina. Thank you so much for tuning in to our midweek service. First of all, I want to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving, and, and I hope you're ready to have a great time at it. I know things are going to perhaps be different for most of us in families where we're going to probably not, you know, not be joining other families like that. You know, please practice the three W's. Uh, wash your hands, watch your distance, and wear your mask, you know, and I pray that, you know, over the next couple of weeks and so we can be paying attention. There's a rise in infection cases in COVID-19 right now. And, and so, you know, th- there's a lot that's on all of our minds, but let's, let's be safe. Let's be healthy. Let's practice the three W's as we have Thanksgiving. You know, tonight we've been doing a series called One Another Relationships, relationships that are done God's way. And the lesson that we're going to be doing tonight is called Living in Harmony with One Another. Living with Harmony with one another. And so let's go to God in prayer and let's begin our service. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you so much for Jesus. I want to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. We pray that as we uh, go into having great meals together and, and fellowshipping and, and, and watching our distance and, and, uh, perhaps most of it being all virtual, we pray that you keep our fellowship safe, all those in the world safe. Uh, we pray that our lesson today will encourage us in our one another relationships, that we will learn to live in harmony and that when, when things aren't harmonious, we can pay attention to that and make changes uh, in your spirit so that we can continually grow and to have harmony in our relationships. We love you. Thank you so much for Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen. You know, as we're talking about living uh, in harmony with one another, Uh, In Romans chapter 12, in verse 14 to 16, it says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. You know, I love this passage. It's, it's, it's in line with the passage that we looked at last week about learning to honor one another within the context of the Roman Empire. And, you know, as I get older, I want peace and harmony in my life. I don't want disharmony. I don't want dissonance in my life. I want harmony. You know, when I was younger, I, I don't know, when I was younger, it's, I seemed to attract, uh, you know, all kind of anxiety and getting into situations that are tense and all those things. But as I get older in life, I want harmony in my life. I want harmony in my relationships. I want harmony in the church. I want peace, like Kung Fu Panda. I want like inner peace, right? Like Master Shifu said, uh, inner peace. I, I want that in my life. In relationships, we want harmony. There's nothing like being in a relationship where there's disharmony there, where it's not harmonious or being in a marriage that is not harmonious, right? Like if things aren't going good at home, man, I don't care if you get a promotion. I don't care if, 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 if you get a new car. Well, maybe, maybe a new car that might be helpful. But even in the midst of that, if your marriage is, is rough, Man, there's almost like nothing that could happen that could make us happier in it if our marriage is very, very strained. What about our kids at home? Like there's nothing that makes me happy. 
happy than happier than when I see my kids all getting along, right? When they're not getting along, there's tension in the house. Uh, how about singing when we're singing at church and it's harmonious, right? It's, it's beautiful when all of our members are using their gifts and our song leaders are using their gifts to encourage and inspire new, new, a new sound emerges and inspires and takes us to another level spiritually. Uh, so awesome. I mean, music in the Bible, you know, David, when he played his harp like that, he drove evil spirits out of uh, uh, King Saul. That's how powerful music was with somebody using a gift and doing it in a harmonious way. Uh, but one of the things about living in her heart, living in harmony with one another is that it must be created. It doesn't just happen. If anything, because we are sinful in nature and have a sinful nature, disunity is going to happen. Discord, dissension naturally happens rather than harmony and unity and, and, and relationships that come together and peaceful relationships. It doesn't just happen. It must be created. Uh, you know, when I was in, uh, middle school, many of you probably don't know this, but I, I played the trumpet. Go ahead and laugh. You can, you can look at your neighbor where you're at and Reese played the trumpet. I played the trumpet, but I was the second trumpet. I wasn't the first trumpet. I, I played trumpet and my role was not, you know, not to play what the first trumpet is playing. I'm going to be playing on a different key and, and, and be the kind of like the harmony of it and bring, bring a different sound to the first trumpet that makes it a fuller sound. Uh, and, and this idea, you know, that as, as we, as two trumpets, uh, make music together, a different sound emerges. And, and in our relationships in the church, when our relationships are all functioning properly and, and there's harmony and peace going on in it, new, God bring, the spirit brings new relationships in it and new meaning to it and different experiences happen because we exchange, the exchanging of gifts happen and all kinds of great things happen because of a harmonious relationship in our relationships. And, and the Bible says Paul is trying to encourage the church in, in the time of the Roman empire, because during the Roman empire, if you look at this, uh, there's a social hierarchy in the Roman empire that, that, that was top down. And when you have something that is top down, that it's not managed properly, that those at the top don't understand the power and the influence they have, and they don't understand that it affects everyone below it. There's all kind of discord, dissension and disharmony and, and dissonance that can happen because of it. You know, it's, it's a powerful thing. And in the Roman empire, if you weren't, the empire represented wealth and power, political power, social power, economic power, fame, prestige, titles, you know, uh, that's, that's what the empire exuded and, and, and that's what was valued. And so those who were on the margins, the ones at the bottom of the list, the slaves, the women, the freedmen, even soldiers were near kind of in the middle, but the gladiators, everybody who was at the bottom, the children at the bottom were all pushed to the margins and, and were overlooked and unnoticed in society. In, in the book I showed last week, The Rise of Christianity by Rodney Starks, you know, the early church was the only place in the Roman Empire that honored all people, that respected all people, that uh, somebody who was poor could come into to God's church 
and not 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 necessarily feel that hierarchy that was there. And, and like I said, there's nothing wrong with top-down relationships. There are uh, instances where top-down relationships work and they're important and they're valued. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't, I don't want to do, to make a statement that goes, well, we can't have mother and father can't be over the family. No, there are, there are top down relationships, but it's, it's there so that the people who have the influence understand the influence that they do have and they can keep, you know, a healthy type of order. Like in government, there are positions of people who are going to be in power, right? In the church, our eldership, our, our evangelists, our teachers, our deacons, they all have certain type of influence as well as power and authority, but we have to be careful how it's used. And so I'm talking about in the early church, people were mis, mis, in the Roman Empire, people were misusing that power. And in the early church, they had to learn how to use power correctly. If, if they're in authority, if they were rich, if they were wealthy, you'll see so many commands in the Bible against people who are rich and wealthy to be generous, to be giving, to be, be careful, you know, with the power that they have and the influence that they have. Uh, but the early church was the only place, man, where everyone was respected and honored. And I hope last week you got a chance to do that in your uh, time with your small groups. This idea of living in harmony is this idea of togetherness. And I gave a picture here of a of a symphony that, you know, when when one person is playing in the symphony, it, it can be a great sound. But boy. A masterpiece can be created when, when a whole group of people are functioning together in a harmonious way. Just beautiful, different sound. And this idea of living in harmony is this idea of togetherness and having the same mind and being like-minded. It doesn't mean we all agree on everything. It doesn't mean we all trying to have the same personality, agree to everything a leader says or a member says. It doesn't mean that. What it means is, is we strive to look for the good. We strive to look for what Christ would want us to do. So when we we're in situations in our relationship. Well, what would Jesus do in that situation? What would God want us to do? What would the Spirit say is consistent to the Bible? That idea of thinking along those lines is what this is talking about. That's how we live in harmony with one another. So we can give up a position for the greater good, right? Because it's something that God would want us to do. You know, but harmony is not just flat out. It doesn't just happen. It must be created. And, and oftentimes it, if we don't pay attention, it'll lead to disharmony. It'll, it'll lead to disunity. Paul and Barnabas was an example in Acts chapter 15 and verse 36. It says, after some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark, but Paul disagreed strongly. Since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work, their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. So even in the early church, people had disagreement. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. Then he traveled throughout Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches there. Paul and Barnabas had a sharp disagreement. You, you got a chance to see some leaders there have a sharp disagreement because they disagreed with, with how one person looked at the other and, and what they did in the missionary journey. And they kind of 
parted and went their separate ways, but they, you know, they still were strengthening the, the churches. Paul was still strengthening the churches uh, throughout Syria and Cilicia. There's, there's another example. I mean, there are many examples in the Bible. I want to show you another one between Iodia and Syntyche. In, in Philippians chapter two, in, I mean, chapter four and verse two to three in the message, it says, I urge Iodia, Iodia and Syntyche to iron out their differences and make up. God doesn't want his children holding grudges. And oh yes, Sisergus, since you're right there to help them work things out, do your best with them. These women work for the message hand in hand with Clement and me and with other veterans worked as hard as any of us. Remember, their names are also in the book of life. I mean, two ladies, right? Paul asked the, this person over here, hey, help them work it out. Whatever they got going on, they're great people and, and they're great influences in the church, but make them work it out. You know, Paul and Barnabas kind of was trying to work it out. They split up. They ended up coming together later on in the New Testament. You see an example of two women who were, who were strong influence that, that were kind of having some, some trouble in their relationship like that. And, and, and they needed a third party. Paul was giving them direction to bring in a third party to help, help, uh, build unity and harmony in their relationships. And so I want to talk about three things today, uh, about that passage in Romans chapter 12 that, that talks about what destroys harmony. Okay. There's three things that destroy harmony. If you look right here, it says, number one, don't be proud. Paul talks about don't be proud. He also says, be willing to associate with people of low position. And the third thing he says is don't be conceited. You know, when the first one, when we talk about pride, one of the things that destroys and kills harmony in relationships is pride. And most of the time, people who are proud have no idea they're being proud. They usually need somebody there to help. And I've struggled with pride. It is my greatest sin, you know, so I'm not the best listener. So if if you're ever in a relationship with me and you feel like I'm not listening to you, just tell me, you know, and I'll do my best to just kind of go. He just he just said, I'm not listening. Let me just that's a buzzword for me to go zip it, dude, and just listen and hear what they have to say and try to say back what what they just said, you know, try to be able to uh say back what they just said. So that's my biggest, I've always struggled with pride. It is my greatest sin. It's what, what made me get into a ton of other sins. Uh, and being proud is you just kind of think about yourself often. You just kind of think it's your way is the right way is it's not even a consideration that you could think a different way, you know, until somebody brings it up and then, then you're put in that position, uh, of being humble and learning and, and, thinking that maybe there are many different ways to approach a problem or or there's many solutions to one problem as well. You know, there was a situation, but pride ruins uh, harmony, ruins relationships like that. And there was, a, there was a situation when I first came to Metro LA and my one of the first funerals that I did for a sister in Metro who passed away and she was a Belizean sister. And, you know, I, I, I didn't think to get input in it. I didn't realize that me coming from Hawaii, coming into an African American Latino context here in Metro LA, that there, that I need to pay attention to some cultural sensitivities here as I'm participating in different events. And this was one of them that I didn't seek input on. It ended up being really good, but boy, it, 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 it was a little rough in the beginning, you know? And as I was, uh, like in Hawaii and when a funeral takes place, the funeral director is usually the one that's in charge and I get up and I'm the one officiating, but I do my, 
what I have to do. And then I usually turn it over to the funeral director and they're the ones that kind of lead the whole service and, and, and work with the families. And because I didn't know that here, you know, that it was different here that I'm the one that has to pay attention, like coming in with the processional, right? Like I didn't realize that in a, an African American context and an African American funeral or Belizean funeral for this one was a Belizean funeral that I needed to walk in as the minister with the family. I didn't know that, you know, so when I, this was in front of the, the uh, group of people, the family and all that, the funeral director was like, uh, minister Reese, uh, you, you may now lead the procession. And, and you know me, I'm a local guy from Hawaii, right? I'm just thinking, Oh, it's okay. You, you, you go ahead and do that, sir. And, and I'll be, uh, I'll be waiting for my turn when just let me know when I come up and then I'll, I'll, officiate from there and and he kind of gave me like a strong correction like minister reese you are leading the procession like okay i'm leading the processional and so i realized right then in front of everybody there's a cultural thing happening here that i'm i don't i'm not aware of and i i was not humble enough to even ask that prior to going into that situation you know and as i led the processional i started as i led the processional in and and everybody got seated i did my part and it was great then we went to the burial site and as we went to the burial site again right there's some cultural uh sensitivities that i needed to pay attention to that i had no i had no clue of you know so when when it was time for me to do uh a five minute charge and kind of work with the family and say the closing remarks. Uh, the funeral director let me do it. I, I, I gave the five minute remark and then, you know, at the very end in Hawaii, you turn it back over to the funeral director and they're the ones who kind of do, do, does the final, uh, remarks with the family and with the audience and then dismisses the audience. But in LA where we're at, I'm the one that has to do all that, but I didn't know that. And so at the end, I said a pr- at end of my remarks. I said a prayer, and you know, I, I looked up and and I said I turned it back over to the funeral director to say, you know, sir, uh, you may you may make your closing remarks right now, thinking that he was going to be the one that's going to lead the uh, the people there. And there was like two hundred fifty people that were there, you know, uh, at it, and it was a it was a beautiful funeral. But in that moment there, the funeral director was taken aback that I passed it to him. And then what he, what he, what he was started to do was to do the, uh, closing remarks, right? Like, uh, from ashes to ashes. And then he quite didn't realize what he was saying. So he passed it to me. And this is taking place in front of everybody, guys. Okay. Like this is taking place in front of everybody. And, you know, I, I'm making, he, he, he starts doing it. He passes it to me and I, I start, but I didn't quite know that what I was supposed to actually say in it. So I tried it and I was like, you know, from ashes to ashes. And uh so I passed it back to him, you know, and this is happening in front of everyone. Right. And, and some people I could see were smiling and going, what is happening here? And that guy, he, he almost was like ready to pass it back. So what he ended up doing is passing it back to me. Finally, this older gentleman who is, uh, the, like the assistant funeral director who is older than both of us is like, you know, from, he starts going from ashes to ashes, from dust to dust. And then we all in crescendo going, now I commit this body to you. Like, you know, it was a, it was an awkward, funny, weird experience that we all were kind of going, what is happening here? And that was one of my first examples of, uh, being in a situation where I wasn't culturally aware of what's going on because I didn't ask. 
And, you know, I want you to think about that. Everyone is going to have relationships. It worked out great, guys. You know, the family was great. I apologize to the family. They were cracking jokes at me like, wow, that was like, that could be like in a, you know, it was even the funeral director was like, what just happened there? But boy, that was funny. You know, we were laughing and, and, and the family was totally cool with it. They were like, oh, I totally understand. But I did it. I was like, oh, I got to do better next time, guys. I can't be doing that. And what ended up happening at all, it, it worked out good. But think about that. We're all going to be in relationships with one another who are going to come from culturally different backgrounds. We grew up differently. And so we must be sensitive to one another as we work in relationships and not be proud with each other, thinking we know what's best. The second thing is to be, be willing to associate with people of low position, as that slide says, you know, be willing to associate people, uh, associate with people of low position in Rome. Remember, classes existed, then status existed, and those on the margins were left on the side. You know, again, right? I I want to share another story that I had when in my third semester in uh, Durham, North Carolina. And you notice a sign there, it says, all are welcome. And I'm not making the statement today, guys, that this is what our church has to do, or this is what our leadership is, is, is planning to do, or anything like that. I'm just telling you that the, of what I've been learning in my uh, class about theology and, and how theology influences practice. But in order to get there, sometimes you got to be in new environments so you can actually visually see things for yourself. And in the Roman Empire, people who were marginalized were, were never, ever honored, you know. But when we went to Citywell, I, I spoke about it last week. You know, it says, all are welcome here, Citywell, for all who thirst. And so they welcome people in the community and people of all different races and backgrounds come. And, and one of the highlights that they do is, is people who perhaps would not be serving in front of everybody in a situation are, do over there. They do serve. Uh, me and Cesar Lopez, we were coming into the church and, and as we were walking in, the two greeters at the door, I believe one of them had Down syndrome, you know? And as soon as you immediately are, 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 I was caught off guard in it because that's not something we would normally see in a normal church environment. And yet here it, 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 it is. It's absolutely like that. And it was great because I got, my heart was softened. I got to engage. I got to connect. I mean, I learned more in that situation than they did for me. You know what I mean? And here I am a minister for 20 something years. I learned more in that situation there than I did throughout the whole thing. It, it moved me. It set me up for worship. And then at, in the midst of all the worship, that's all the things that I was seeing in, in the fellowship. And that really moved my spirit. You know, again, I, I, I'm just sharing different experiences that I've had that's helped me to, it's helping to shape the way I think of things now in it. Uh, the third thing was just to not be conceited, right? Is to not be conceited at all and to be willing to associate with different people. You know, he's saying low position there because in, in the church in Rome, one of the things they have to be careful about is people who are not like you, people who are different uh, backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds, don't treat them differently. Treat them with respect. That's what Paul was trying to teach to the church. And at Citywell, I got to see it a little bit more clearly what that looks like. And that's why we go there, uh, in our, in our program. And it was very moving. I thought, wow, that, that helped me to become aware of even perhaps my own biases 
my own prejudices and to be able to put that at the foot of Christ and look at everyone without hierarchy, that everyone is equal at the foot of the cross. I mean, I tend to think I do that, but when I was in that situation, it's clear that I don't think that way. And so I had to work on that, you know, and it was very moving. I was very encouraged and inspired in that situation there. Uh, in, in, First Peter three in verse eight to nine. So those are some of the things that destroy unity, right? Pride, um, not willing to associate with people who are different than you, who come from different backgrounds, culturally, socioeconomically. You know, he's telling you be willing to associate with people. Uh, you know, not being conceited. Those are things that just destroy. Conceit destroys harmony. But here's what builds harmony. And I want to close off with this. In 1 Peter 3 and verse 8, it says, Finally, all of you be like-minded and show sympathy, love, compassion, and humility to and for each other, not paying back evil with evil or insult with insult, but repaying the bad with a blessing. It was this you were called to do so that you might inherit a blessing. What builds harmony is as we're striving to be, to live in harmony, to be like-minded, we show there's four things. We show sympathy, love, compassion, and humility to and for each other. We show sympathy. Sympathy is about suffering alongside somebody, you know, feeling for someone to understand that people got things going on in their lives, no matter if they're smiling right at you. You know, everyone is going through difficult things right now. Compassion, right? Love, compassion. If we could show sympathy, love, compassion, and humility, and I know most of us know what this is, but if we're more aware of it in our relationships and to not just go through life and just think everybody's okay, I'm also not saying just go through life and think, oh, there's a big problem. I'm not saying that either, but just pay attention that behind every smile, there are people who have many feelings. There's things going on behind the scenes. I heard this one time. It says, I'm a simple person with a thousand feelings behind the happiest smile. Everyone has the cross that they have to carry. Every single disciple has a cross that they have to carry. And it's difficult. It's hard. You might be asking, why me? Everybody has that. You're not alone. And so if we could show sympathy to 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 ease up with each other a little bit because everyone could possibly be going through a difficult time, you know. Put yourself in their shoes because everybody got a cross to bear. Love, compassion. Compassion is where the Greek word for it is this word that it talks about the that you feel so deeply in the bowel or in the gut that it you have to act. That's what that's talking about. Humility, learning to learn from one another, learning to feel for one another, learning to uh, not not just listening to what a... Sometimes I see this in the fellowship sometimes is a leader says something and people listen to it. But if somebody who's not a leader says something with the Bible, people don't listen to it. That's not good. Whatever the Bible says, we listen to it regardless of who says it. That's crazy that we only listen to leaders like that. I'm not saying everybody does it, but sometimes that happens, you know, and that's sometimes in our culture that we got to kind of pay attention to and, and make sure we're making changes there. So as we close today, you know, how do we live in harmony? Sympathy, show sympathy, love, compassion, and humility. As you go into your discussion groups tonight, have some great discussion groups, really get a chance to encourage one another. Think about this question. What's one thing you're grateful to God for in 2020? What's one thing you're grateful to God for this year? 
if you want to talk about relationships, great. If there's other things you want to talk about in it, great. There's, you know, I want tonight to be such an amazing time of great fellowship with one another where we can experience harmony and living close and connected with each other in our relationships. Amen. So what did we learn tonight? One another relationships. Live in harmony with one another. It's this idea of togetherness and each part being like-minded, doing their role. We talked about three ways harmony is destroyed. Pride and unwillingness to associate with people unlike us. Conceit. We also talked about four ways harmony is built. Sympathy, love, compassion, and humility. You know, as we close tonight, you can always connect with us on our social media. Uh, last but not least is on December 6th, we have our Frontliner service where we're going to honor those who are first responders and frontliners who have been putting their lives at stake and risking their lives to protect us and to find ways in which a cure can be developed for COVID-19 and, and just all those who are working so hard to keep us safe. Uh, I want to, we're going to have a great service for them. As we close tonight, again, happy Thanksgiving. I hope you have a great time of fellowship tonight and a great day tomorrow. Have some great discussion groups. Good night. You've just listened to the Metro LA podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com.